You're listening to the Charity Champions Podcast. Each year, TFNB Your Bank for Life chooses six nonprofits from around Central Texas to recognize as Charity Champions. Tonight's Charity Champion is... Champions enjoy live on-field presentations at Baylor University home football and basketball games, online broadcast and print marketing exposure, and world-class leadership development through 360 Solutions, all at no cost to the nonprofit. In this podcast, we want to get to know our Charity Champions a little better. We're bringing those who help and those who have been helped into the studio to hear the stories behind the champions. On this episode, Friends for Life. I knelt down beside her wheelchair one day and she said, I prayed and prayed that God would send somebody and I know he sent you. Friends for Life helps those without a support system live healthy, independent lives. Founder and executive director Inez Russell tells us how their programs have expanded over the 30 years they've been helping the community. And now let's get to know our champion. Welcome to the podcast. If we could start, could you just kind of introduce yourself so everyone knows who you are? I'm Inez Russell, and I'm the executive director of Friends for Life. Inez, can you kind of tell me what Friends for Life is? We're a charity that helps the elderly and people with disabilities. We are working to help them be more independent and take care of those who are not able to take care of themselves. And how did it get started? I grew up believing that everybody had somebody to take care of them. And I believe that because I spent a lot of time with my grandma, and my grandma took care of everybody Mm -hmm. in hospitals, nursing homes, and shut-ins. But in the spring of 1989, I uh, heard a woman screaming. I was in a hospital, and I went to see what was wrong and found a lady who was crying and grabbed my arm and said, I'm dying, and I don't want to die alone. Please don't leave me. And I discovered that she thought she was dying because nobody was coming to see her anymore. And I went and got my Bible and read the Bible to her, and I got her flowers and a stuffed animal, and mostly I listened. And she decided that she must not be dying if I would be doing all that for her. So she got well and went home, and nurses asked me to visit other people there in the hospital that didn't have anybody. And Basically, the same thing happened, and I started wondering, who takes care of these people? If an elderly person, for whatever reason, doesn't have a support system, who's taking care of them? And I started looking for something that I could bring to Waco that would help these people. And when I couldn't find anything, I started Friends for Life. And so you started it, and what did it look like when it first started? But a little tiny office, borrowed furniture. My husband put a phone in for me. I ran an ad for volunteers, and nobody called. But when I did figure out how to get some volunteers, we started visiting people in hospitals and nursing homes. And and then I started getting calls from people who said, Inez, if they're living in their own homes, they don't even have staff to check on them. Can you go see them in their own homes? And, And we started doing that, and we discovered some of the people that were living alone needed more than a visit. They needed some of the things my grandma used to do. They needed somebody to run errands for them or take them to the doctor or bake for them or cook for them or read the Bible to them or hug them. And so we started recruiting volunteers that would do that. And we found one lady who was living in the dark. She'd moved from room to room as the light bulbs burned out in her house. And when the last one burned out, she was living in the dark. So oh my goodness. we started a light bulb changing program. And basically, that's what has kind of driven the development of all the programs that we have at Friends for Life. We discovered a need, and 
we'd first try to find some other organization that did that. And if we couldn't find anybody, then we would figure out some way we could do it. And so about what time did you start? What year was that? September of 1989. And so when did it really start picking up some steam? Well, actually, within about six months, we got a call asking us if we would be legal guardian of a man who'd been found unconscious. So we went from kind of independent living and quality of life to guardianship, which was really interesting new thing for us. And in that program expanded into, you know, that program has gone from that one person here in one county to now we're in 82 counties in Texas offering that service. And we have offices in six other cities. And I had the great pleasure to come and visit you guys last summer, and it was so much fun. The most visible part to me was the section with all the disabled adults who were doing like some stretching routine. They were having a good old time. And I tell you what, I made about 30 friends that day. Yes. <laughs> Can you kind of talk about that? Well, in uh, June of 2000, we uh, took over an adult day center that was closing. And it's grown. We hit capacity this year, which is 120 people. They have a lot of fun back there. We're <laughs> open 7.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, and we take care of people who really aren't able to stay home by themselves. We offer nursing care and uh, breakfast, lunch, and a snack in the afternoon, and lots and lots of fun activities, and they celebrate holidays I didn't even know we had. <laughs> <laughs> and so can you kind of tell me the story of some of those people that you've gotten to know over the years? I met a lady once who uh, had cooked a turkey 22 hours on a space heater. She had been given a turkey by a charity, and she wanted turkey dinner so badly that she, but she, her stove didn't work, so she wrapped it in foil and put it on a space heater and managed to not get salmonella. When I went to see her, her porch was so rickety, I thought I would fall through mm. the porch. When I got inside, the ceiling was kind of hanging down between us. I could see outside her house, not even looking out the windows. But we worked with this lady, and we helped her to get a grant to get her house fixed, and she got a stove. I knelt down beside her wheelchair one day, and she said, I prayed and prayed that God would send somebody, and I know he sent you. She was a sweet, sweet lady that was very, very, very shy, and we had a party at Friends for Life a Christmas party one year, and I called her and asked if she would like to come, and I knew she would say no, but she didn't. She said yes, and I picked her up and brought her, and she said, uh, when she got there, she said, can I sing a song? Well, I was stunned <laughs> because I thought, she's so shy. She said, God told me on the way over here I was supposed to sing the song. She sang Amazing Grace, and we all were crying. I've been blessed to meet a lot of amazing people, and it seems like every time you start to get discouraged, something happens that just kind of puts everything back in perspective. I, I had gotten a, a comment back from a foundation. In, in the beginning of Friends for Life, there weren't very many foundations that counted the elderly as a priority. And I had gotten a, a response back from one of them that said, the elderly aren't enough of a burden on society to be a funding priority. Mm. I was sitting at my desk kind of... I don't know, 6.37, trying to figure out how I was going to do everything that I felt like we needed to do to help these people. And I looked up, and 
there's a little elderly lady standing in the doorway, and she said, she said, I took a cab down here to tell you I pray every day for you and for Friends for Life. So there's lots of, lots of great, great people out there. I met a lady once who, uh, I met her when uh, a nursing home had asked us if we would make corsages for all the people in the, in the nursing home, and I didn't know how to make corsages, and I didn't have <laughs> any flowers, and I didn't have the money to buy flowers. But I ended up one day at, actually, the Friday before Mother's Day, 220 corsages was how many I was supposed to make. <laughs> uh, ended up at, at Wolf Nursery trying to figure out what all to get to make these corsages. And, and then what to tell the guy when I got to the cash register because I didn't have any money. But I got over there, and he said, there's somebody looking for you. You're Inez Russell, aren't you, with Friends for Life? And I said, well, yeah, but I don't think anybody knows I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah. So he took me to see this lady who said, when I got up this morning, God told me to take this money to you. And it was $40 in cash. And when he rang it up, it was $39.94. Wow. So I got back to my office, and I laid all that out on the table. I was looking at it, trying to figure out how you make corsages when this little lady walked in the door. and She was in her 80s, and she, uh, she said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, well, I was trying to figure out how to make corsages. She said, you know, I just love to make corsages. Can I help? <laughs> and some other ladies came that day, and they all made corsages. I didn't ever learn how to make them. <laughs> and they delivered them, all 220, to the nursing home. But that lady... That precious lady ended up being one of my most amazing volunteers. She adopted six grandmas, and they were all younger than she was. I was about to say, isn't she a grandma herself? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she volunteered with us for a lot of years. What all do you guys do? I know you have several different programs. We do. We provide guardianship for people when courts appoint us to serve someone who doesn't have the capacity to make decisions for themselves. Right now, we're serving 470 people in that area. We have a money management program where we pay bills for people who don't know how to do that or have lost the ability to do that for themselves. We have programs where we organize volunteers who help people live independently as long as possible. A program called Quality of Life that Brooke's helping me with that where we organize volunteers who help people understand that there are people that care about them. And that's adopt a grandparent and visiting and gifts for grannies and grandpas and friends for Thanksgiving and those types of programs. And then we have our adult day center. And we have a new program that we've just started. It's called Independent Life Skills. And we're going into nursing homes and working one-on-one, primarily with adults with intellectual disabilities or developmental disabilities and helping them be as independent as they can be. Most of the time that means they're in the facility. They're able to interact more and participate more in the different activities that are going on there. But sometimes it means that they'll get to move back out into the community. When you found that one lady and helped her, did you ever think it would become this? No. No. I did not. Do you ever find yourself kind of overwhelmed? A lot of the time, yes. (laughs) But then God reminds me that it's not about me. Right. He can do anything. And I think as long as we keep it all in perspective and understand that it's not about us, it's about him. And if we'll let him, he can use us to do things that 
we could never do on our own. If you'd asked me 28 and a half years ago if I could do this, I would have said absolutely not. (laughs) And I didn't. He did. So there's a lot of different programs you have. And I'm always interested because people may not know, what is the, the largest need in Waco and the largest need your organization helps? One of the biggest needs is transportation. Hmm. We have so many seniors who just can't drive anymore, and that's a big issue. It, it's all connected with losing control of your life and your independence, but it helps a little bit if you've got a way you can still get to the places that you need to go. Most of the people that we're taking care of don't have family and they often don't have others that they can turn to they don't have a support system that was what motivated me to start friends for life in the first place is that these people didn't have somebody to to help them and without that many 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 problems can develop little problems can become huge if somebody can't get to the doctor they can't access medical care if they can't get to the store to get groceries. I think that's one of the biggest issues that we deal with is finding enough volunteers that we can make sure that people get to all these places that they need to go to. And it's awesome if we can also help them get to the places that they want to go to. Mm -hmm. We've had people call and say, would you just take me for a ride so I can see the lake? Mm -hmm. They just want to see the lake so badly. Or during Christmas they want to see the lights many times they would just really the ladies would like to go to the beauty shop that's a big deal and it's a a pampering thing that that we all take for granted but it's pretty big to them but if we don't have enough volunteers we first have to take care of the necessities and then we can work on the nice things I remember when my my grandma she would go to the hair house that's what she called it every Friday (laughs) and we would kind of rotate taking her to the hair house so she'd Mm -hmm. get her hair did Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a big deal (laughs) to take care of those transportation needs do you have like a volunteer will be assigned to somebody and then they help them in their capacity well there's two ways that this happens if if you're part of our adopt a grandparent program some of the volunteers that adopt a grandparent will kind of take on that also. They'll say, you know, if you need something from the grocery store, let me know. I'll pick it up for you. I'll pick you up and we'll go. If you need to go to the doctor, I'll go and stay with you through the appointment. But we have other volunteers who are just transportation volunteers. And we know what times of the day and what days of the week they're available. And we call them when we have a client call that has an appointment coming up. So it sounds like a big part of your organization is trying to help people live independently as long as they can. Why is that such a a good idea? Well, I think it's great for a lot of reasons. That's where people want to be. You know, we have clients who are blind. They've memorized where everything is in their home, and they don't want to move to another place. And this house may be paid for, and it may be what they can afford, And it's a scary thought to leave there, especially, you know, some of them may have lived there 40 or 50 years or longer. So helping them continue to be in their own home is is pretty big. I think that there are all kinds of financial reasons why it makes sense. If you look at, you know, we're we're working with probably a thousand people trying to help them age in place. If you take that and multiply it by three or four thousand dollars a month that it would cost if they went into a nursing home, mm-hmm. there's an enormous 
cost savings in this type of work. But I think the real value is with the people and their quality of life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are reasons to go into a nursing home. I had a, a nursing home administrator tell me once that he had people admitted because they couldn't change light bulbs anymore. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, there are reasons to go into long-term care, but that's not one of them. And I think sometimes people reach a point where they absolutely have to go into long-term care. And I think, you know, when that happens, we need to be prepared to make that as great an experience as it can be so that we can pick them up and take them out to lunch or we can bring people in with birthday presents or balloons or whatever, spend time with them, read with them, maybe take them to church. But... As, for as long as they can be independent, I think that's a great thing. So how are you guys being funded right now? A little over 80% of what it costs us to provide these services is provided by some kind of program revenue. And the rest of it we raise through contributions and grants and special events. What is the, the biggest need you guys have right now? Right now we need to um, replace five of our 20-something air conditioning heating units. Fortunately, the air conditioning parts of them are working, so we're not burning up over there. But these are really, really, really old HVAC units. And we've gotten bids, and looks like it's going to cost us about $30,000 to replace all five of them. And so I'm going and talking to people to see if they'll help us with that. So if you're listening and you have $30,000, <laughs> please visit Inez. Yes, please. She has a good place for it. I do. Especially with the summer coming up. It's going to be a hot one, I'm sure. Do you have any plans to expand? I got this vision in 2014. It's kind of like a campus, maybe like a tiny village, but we would have our adult day center, but have the ability to divide it into two, two centers that would be connected uh, one for adults with disabilities and one for seniors so that they can interact and have lots of opportunities to interact. But we could also do special programming, life skills training, more of that for our adults with disabilities, and then have more programs for dementia and stroke recovery, those types of things. And just some things that seniors like. Right now, we have an amazing facility, but everybody is together. So our seniors aren't as crazy about disco dancing, and our younger folks aren't <laughs> as crazy about ballroom dancing. So it would be fun to, to be able to have it where we had activities that each one of them, the quieter ones for the seniors and a little more lively ones for our younger adults. And, uh, and then we want to have an early childhood program. We've always wanted to do that. We believe in intergenerational and think that amazing things happen when you bring older adults and children together. And if we can put all of these three facilities close enough that they actually have areas for interaction, you've got some opportunities for incredible things to happen. But we also wanted to be able to take the services that Friends for Life offers into counties across Texas that are unserved. And we have, sadly, quite a few that are unserved. So on this campus, we've got to have a facility that accommodates all the work that we're doing in all the other parts of Texas and supports that. And then I would love to have a toy factory. We did this once years ago where we 
divided a store into 12 different sections and we had opportunities in each of those sections for older adults to teach children how to make things. And then we took the things that they made. Some of those went into the Gifts for Grannies program, but some uh, were actually toys that we sent to an orphanage in South Texas. And amazing things happened at the toy factory. A little relationships started to build. And one day when I was packing everything up, I had an old man walk up to me and say, Ines, please do this all the time. I don't have anything in my life anymore. I'll come every day. So we've got people who think they don't have value anymore, which is part of the reason I think that the statistics are so horrible for for men over 65 to commit suicide. I think once they aren't working anymore and they don't feel valued and productive, they start to feel like they're not worth anything. And that's not true. They have so much that they can share and so much that they can teach to a young person. And children benefit so much from this relationship because they need people who have time. We're in a fast society that puts a lot of value on things that kids don't have any control over. So it's great for them to have an opportunity to be loved unconditionally by someone who doesn't care if they wear Nike tennis shoes. They don't care if they come in first place in a in a race or if they make straight A's they just love them for who they are and that's it's very empowering it's very healthy and and there's a huge amount of statistics that support the fact that it it reduces absenteeism in school that children do better they're more successful they're healthier and it certainly has an amazing effect on older adults too so it's it's a win-win now there's a a great place in, I think it's Denton, that has a Hugs Cafe. And this cafe is run by adults with intellectual disabilities. A lot of folks that have Down syndrome, I think their website says, have you had your hug today? <laughs> and I love this whole idea. And I have clients in our adult day center who say, uh, do you have a job for me? And I think that to put them to work and let them earn money and and let them share their love because they have lots of love to share. You know, when you come, mm-hmm. you might meet 30 new friends. <laughs> and, and I think that the Hugs Cafe and the Toy Factory would be great ways to do that. I'd also learned about two types of apartment complexes. One near Mm A&M, where they were pairing students, A&M students, with adults with disabilities as roommates. And I had heard that it was hugely successful. And then outside of Chicago, they have a program where they're bringing seniors and students, college students, together to be roommates. And that one has been successful. I think they're focusing on um, social work Mm -hmm. students. In both cases, these have been successful, and I think it would be pretty awesome to build those two types of apartments in this complex. Now, the exciting thing to me, other than the fact that it would help so many people, is that it would be self-supporting. You know, initially, you've got to raise the money to build the buildings and create the, the programs, and that's not going to be a small task, but... It's self-sustaining. It would fund itself going forward, and 
it's not often that nonprofits get to do something that will take care of itself going. You know, most of the time we're, we're back at the door knocking saying, okay, <laughs> this is year two, can you help us again? This time we would be building something that would sustain itself. You mentioned Friends for Life in other parts of Texas. Where else are you located? Right now we have offices in Abilene, Corpus, Texas City, Tyler, and Temple. We uh, are moving our San Antonio office, so I'm looking for free office space in San Antonio. But I need to go to Lufkin and open an office there. And then after that, I think we're probably talking about Bryan College Station would be the next place we'd need to, to open an office. Our number of people that we serve in East Texas in the Angelina County, uh, Lufkin area, that part has been growing. So we've, we have a real need to go and, and expand there. But um, McLennan County is our biggest part of the work that we do. We have the mm-hmm. largest number of clients here. But we have a pretty large number of people that we serve in the San Antonio area, Abilene, also Tyler in Galveston. They're all part of what we're doing, and uh, we, we offer guardianship in all of these areas, these 82 counties. Part of what I feel that we are supposed to do is make sure that money management, independent living, and quality of life are also available in those counties, and, and we are working to make sure that happens. I've been really surprised to see how many parts of Texas don't have the services that we offer and how many people are just not getting help. It's, it's really, it really hurts your heart. It is interesting with so many of our charity champions, we have able-bodied people who need mentors and we have people who have trouble that could be mentors. So there could be a lot of matching up going on there. I think that's been one of the most comforting things in all of these years that I've been doing this is that for every grandma or grandpa that you find who's lonely and needs somebody to visit you have a young person that for whatever reason isn't close to their grandparents Mm -hmm. and all we really need to do is match people in need with people who care. Thanks for listening to the Charity Champions podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review us. This helps our podcast reach more listeners. Have a charity you'd like to nominate for next season? Visit CharityChampionsForLife.com and find the Nominate button at the top of the page. You can also find more information on this podcast and all our charity champions at CharityChampionsForLife.com. We'll see you next time.